Good morning and welcome to Crime Over Coffee. We're your hosts. I'm Erica. And I'm Abby. Today we're going to tell you about the mysterious disappearance of Brandon Lawson. As always, today's podcast is sponsored by coffee. So pour yourself a strong cup of joe and let's dive in. In August of 2013, Brandon Lawson was 26 years old. He was working for Renegade Oil Services as an oil field worker and lived in San Angelo, Texas. Brandon met his wife, Larissa, in high school when he was a junior and she was a sophomore. And they had three kids together. And Brandon also had one daughter from a different relationship who did not live with them, but she came and visited often. Brandon was excited because he had just accepted a new job in the same business, but it had better pay, better benefits, and less hours. Currently, he was working upwards of 60 hours a week, which put a lot of stress on him and his family, and he was due to start that job Monday, August 12th, 2013. On the night of Thursday, August 8th, 2013, Brandon came home from what I assume was work. I'm not really 100% certain. However, he had not come home the previous night, and Ladessa was not happy about it. Rightfully so. Yeah, it is a little concerning when your husband doesn't come home. And they had a newborn baby at this time, and it resulted in a big fight. She wasn't happy about it, and it was stressing her out, especially since Brandon had a history with drugs and had been in trouble a few times for them, and she was nervous he was out doing them and had relapsed. I mean, it probably would be a concerning thing if your husband who had drug problems in the past just didn't come home. Also, something that you had mentioned was that Ladessa was his high school sweetheart, but he had a kid from another relationship. Yeah, I'm not sure at what point that came in or if maybe they broke up for a little bit. She's older than all the other kids. So, I mean, I guess he could have had a kid in high school. I'm just not sure. Well, I'm just thinking that if he like had stepped out on Ladessa at one point, maybe she was also worried about him possibly cheating again or something. That's possible. And I don't know that that was the situation. I couldn't find it mentioned anywhere. This fight kind of escalated and Brandon decided to remove himself from the situation. So he grabbed his keys, wallet and his phone and took off in his truck at approximately 1153 p.m. He decided he was going to go to his parents' house, who lived in Crowley, Texas, and it was about a three-hour drive away. So he called his dad and asked if he could go stay with them, and his father said he could. He was welcome, but he urged him to go back because it was already almost midnight, and he was obviously distressed from the fight, and driving that far could be dangerous. Yeah, that I mean, that's also super late at night, so by the time he would get to his parents' house, it would be like three o'clock in the morning Mm -hmm. at least. So I could understand if he had just come home from work, like you said, then he probably was already tired. So I would be concerned about him driving that far. Within 10 minutes after Brandon left, Ladessa called him and she tried to reconcile, tried to make things right. I'm not exactly sure. It wasn't reported what that exact conversation was, but it comes to the point where Brandon's not coming home that night. He's mad. He's going to stay out. And Ladessa says, fine, but can you at least go stay at your brother's house instead of your parents? Because 
Brandon's brother Kyle lived about five minutes away from them with his girlfriend and their four-year-old son. So Ludessa wanted Brandon to go stay there instead of making that three-hour long trip. Yeah, that's a lot closer, five minutes versus three hours. I wouldn't want to drive the three hours either. I'd much rather drive the five. Or even just getting a hotel in the area. Or even he had a truck. He could have just put some blankets in the back. It was in Texas in August. Actually, it might have been kind of hot. But anyway, so they hang up and Ledessa decides she's going to call Kyle because she wants to talk to him and make him aware of the situation in case Brandon shows up. And I think she just needed someone to talk to. She was stressed out about it and she was worried about him driving around. And I can imagine if she was concerned about a drug problem, she probably didn't want him driving around and making a poor decision. And Kyle agreed, but he decided he was going to go over to Brandon Ledessa's house and check on Ledessa and the kids and make sure that they were okay and kind of calm her down and talk to her. That was nice of him. Oh, yeah. Very kind. It's nice that she had that option through her husband's brother, like a brother-in-law that was understanding. At 12.10 a.m. now, Kyle, like I said, drive over to check on Ledessa and the kids and then returned home. And from phone records, we learned that Brandon called Ledessa at 1234 and 1236 and she did not answer. I assume she was just pissed and did not want to talk to him, which I'm sure there's a lot of fights that and like that where it's like, you left, we're not going to talk. And I can understand that, I guess. Well, it's typically better. I mean, for you just to stay and fight it out, really, even if you feel the need to like sleep on the couch, but to just leave the house, that's kind of immature in my mind, I guess, instead of to actually like just sit there and face your problems. Yeah, it sounds like maybe he had a habit of just not being home. And that's probably just where he went. He wanted to get out. Who knows? What we do know is that at 1238 a.m., so about a half hour later, Brandon called his brother Kyle and told him that his truck ran out of gas and that he was parked on the side of the road along Highway 277 near Bronte, Texas. And he wanted Kyle to come and bring him either a gas can or take him to the gas station or do something so he could fill up his truck. Do you know how far Bronte is from like his destination or even where how far he'd really made it? Because that's like 35 minutes after he left, almost 40 minutes after he left, I guess. So did he make it that far? Yeah, so Bronte is about 33 miles from San Angelo, so he was about on track there. Um, He was a little bit before Bronte, but the distance makes sense for the time. Okay, I was just curious if he had made a stop on the way somewhere or what basically what he had been up to if he had just been driving yeah from what it looks like he he was driving that direction on the highway it doesn't look like he stopped or made any weird turns but regardless he did run out of gas and called kyle to help him out so after he hangs up with brandon kyle calls ladessa and lets her know because he needs to borrow one of their gas cans i guess kyle had not gotten paid yet so he didn't have enough money to go get gas for brandon So the plan was for Ledessa to leave the gas can out on her porch so Kyle could pick it up. And Kyle and his girlfriend were going to pick up Brandon, go fill up the tank at a gas station a couple miles away from where Brandon's truck was pulled over, fill it up, and bring him back. So Ledessa says, I'll leave it out on the porch. I'm going to go put my phone in the car to charge and either take a bath or a shower. It was different in different places. 
Why is she putting her phone in the car to charge and not plugging it in in the house? I had that thought too. The other thing I could think of is if she like lost her charger box and she had just a, a car charger that plugs into the lighter thing and maybe that's what she was going to do. Yeah, that w- I guess that would make sense. It's still that's the only weird. One that, that's the only way that really makes sense to me. So at 12.45, Kyle, his girlfriend and son go over to get the gas can from Brandon's house and... At 12.48, phone records show that Brandon tried to call Ladessa again, and she does not answer. Which would probably be because her phone's in the car. Yes, it is. She also didn't answer before, so I don't know if she would have if she had the phone with her, but either way, she does not answer this phone call. I mean, at this point, though, she knows that Brandon's stranded on the side of the road, so maybe that would kind of incentivize answering the phone, even if you're angry. Now, I want you guys to remember this time, 12.48 a.m., him calling Ladessa and her not answering. Put a pin in it. It'll come back later. It's an important time, though. 12.48 a.m. Yes. So, at 1.10 a.m., Kyle and his girlfriend, Audrey, arrive at Brandon's truck, and they see a deputy there. Deputy Neal from the Coke County Sheriff's Office. So, they both happen to just pull up to the vehicle at the same time. And Kyle and Audrey get out and they're like, uh, what, like, what's going on? Why are you here? And the deputy obviously asks them the same thing and goes, well, this is my brother's truck. He called us and said he ran out of gas. So we were going to bring him a gas can to get him some. But Brandon's not at the truck. The truck's empty and unlocked. And Brandon's phone, keys, and wallet are all missing from the truck. And the deputy says... Oh, I was responding to a 911 call from a truck driver who passed by and he called in because how Brandon's truck was parked, it was kind of in the road. So it was a hazard. So that's why the truck driver called 911 and they just happened to meet up at the same time. The deputy kind of looked over the truck and there were no signs of distress or like there's no blood, nothing that would give a thought that something happened to Brandon and that's why he wasn't in the truck. As for Kyle and Audrey, they thought that Brandon might just be hiding because they saw the cop car. I guess Brandon had an outstanding warrant for an old drug charge. It was for possession with the intent to deliver. It was in Johnson County. And I guess from what I read, he had just found out about the fine that was associated with it. So Brandon and Ledessa were currently saving up to pay off this fine. That could be a reason for him to hide from the cop. That would make sense. Yeah, so... Kyle just thought, oh, we saw the cop and ran off. Um, It was on a pretty desolate highway. There's not a lot around, just fields, basically. So we thought he just kind of ran off to hide until the cop left. So Kyle tries to call Brandon, and he actually gets a hold of him. And Brandon says that he's 10 minutes away in a field and bleeding. Um, Questions? And I guess Kyle took this as... He was hiding from the cop and he was maybe just bleeding like he tripped or something. He didn't think anything severe of it. He just... Which is pretty typical. I mean, you're always in these situations where you're just like, nothing that bad could really be happening. Yeah, they didn't want to think anything really bad was happening. They just thought, oh, Brandon's out in the field. (laughs) I guess. And you know what? I feel like I know enough people that if they said that, I would be like... Okay. (laughs) Being from Indiana, I mean, it would make sense for so-and-so to just be in the field. Where else are you going to go but fields? (laughs) But yeah, in this area of Texas on the highway, one cop even said it's so like, it's not traveled so often that you could lay down the middle of the road and not get hit by a car. 
is how he put it. I don't know if I believe that, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't recommend trying it out. Do not lay down in the middle of Highway 277. <laughs> or any highway. I mean, it's probably a safe bet just to not lay down on any road. Yeah. Around this time, Audrey also sent a text to Brandon's phone that told him that there were cops at the truck. So they were really trying to look out for him in like a buddy friend sort of way. Well, that was nice of them instead of like letting him just head back to the truck and get arrested. Yeah. And while, while Kyle was on the phone, I guess he must have been away from the cop because he did not tell the cop that he was on the phone with Brandon either. So I'm not sure exactly what maneuver was going around that, but the cop did not know that they had contact with Brandon at this point. With no sign of Brandon, the cop decides he's just going to turn on the hazards on the truck. He locks the doors and he leaves and he decides to call a tow truck to come get it at 8 a.m., which I don't know why the tow truck wasn't going to come till 8 a.m. Maybe the tow truck wasn't going to come until like 8 a.m. just because I guess I don't know if tow trucks really run at night other than like in emergency situations, like if there was an accident or something. So... It's one o'clock in the morning at this point. Is there a tow truck driving at the time? I mean, I know that you can find, it was 2013, so I could assume you could find some company to pick it up. But my, my question, I guess, is if it was parked so that it was a hazard to the road, why are you leaving it there for another, what, six, seven hours? I know you said the phone and the wallet were missing, but did you say whether or not the keys were there? They were gone as well. Because at first I was thinking maybe they could have just drove the or like put it in neutral, road. yeah. Or maybe they did put it in neutral and push it off a little maybe. bit. Maybe because Kyle was there, his girlfriend was there, and then the deputy. That's three people. That's more than enough to push and that the truck in neutral. That four-year-old son was there too. Yeah, he could, he could drive it. <laughs> so after the deputy leaves, Kyle and Audrey keep trying to call Brandon back and figure out where he is, and they're yelling for him, but they can't find him. And it comes to be about three a.m. and Their kid is hungry and crying, and they're like, all right, well, he seems okay. We'll put the gas can in the back of his truck, so if he gets there, he can find it and, I guess, walk up to the gas station or wait. He planned on coming back in the morning when his paycheck went through. So, I mean, they stuck around for hours already, so three o'clock is more than enough time, and we already know to their knowledge that he was fine when they talked to him on the phone, so it would... I'd probably do the same thing and leave. Yeah, and I think from, if I remember right, the reason that time really is when they decided was because at this point, they had been calling him and it would ring and he wouldn't answer. But at this point, it went straight to voicemail like it was dead, maybe. Even more reason to just leave. On the way home, Kyle calls Ladessa to let her know about what happened so far and that he could not locate Brandon and she didn't get that until 4 30 a.m. because if you remember her phone was in the car and she did not check it. So what's she doing at 4 30 a.m. going to her car? I'm guessing she just probably couldn't sleep and finally went out there to get it. And by 5 a.m. so half hour later Ledessa decides she's gonna call the police station and see if maybe they got any other reports about the truck or if they knew anything and they tell her they have no updates they don't know anything And then they wait a little longer at 7 a.m. Kyle's paycheck finally goes through and he fills up his truck and goes back to the site where Brandon's truck was to put gas in it. And at 8.30, Brandon's truck gets towed. And they still haven't heard from him? No word from Brandon at all. The mystery has been solved. 
Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15. Owned and operated by firefighters and veterans, 10% of all their proceeds go directly to helping sick and injured first responders. And with an incredible range of flavors and caffeine strength, it's a company that all of us can easily support. So please go to firedeptcoffee.com and use our coupon code CRIMEPOD15 to support us, support them, help first responders, and get some incredibly tasty coffee along the way. Deputy Neal decides to go back to the area and check around and kind of walk in the field, see if he sees anything, if he could find any evidence of Brandon at all. And he kind of came as some of the... It says, like, nearby houses and stuff, but from what I gathered, there probably weren't that many. But he tried to talk to whoever he could and see if they had seen Brandon or anything. But they had no leads, nothing. Ledessa and Kyle, they're worried because they, they know Brandon would go out and not come home and stuff, but he would never just, like, leave his truck and take off. That was too weird, too strange, and they could just, in their gut, they knew something was not right. Kyle starts to feel a little guilty that he was not full disclosure with the cops. So he calls them back and says that Brandon was on the phone and said he was in a field and bleeding. And so the police, and this was, I think Kyle calls them a couple days after, and they send out a search party on Sunday, August 11th, the police do. And it said they went out for about four hours and looking and they, they didn't find anything either. So authorities came to the conclusion that he was no longer in that county. They couldn't find any signs of him. He probably left on his own accord because there were no signs of any struggle with the truck or anything like that. They also thought maybe he came back and was walking down the road and got a ride from another motorist or something and just ended up somewhere else. And for whatever reason, they have not heard from him. Which would make sense if they weren't able to find him since he didn't have his own car. So he shouldn't have just driven off on his own. On August 12, 2013, Ludessa is able to retrieve Brandon's phone records. And to her surprise, she sees that an outgoing call to 911 happened about 15 minutes before Kyle and the deputy showed up. Remember that time I told you to put a pin in 1248? It was just right after this phone call that he tried to make to Ledessa that he calls 911. So Brandon called 911? Yes. And Kyle had no idea, and neither did Deputy Neal. They had no idea about this 911 call from Brandon. Interesting. So the 911 call is available, and we were going to have our editor put it in here for you and take a listen. I will say, if you go to the website missingbrandonlawson.com you can hear it again and they do different things with the audio to see if you can understand it because there are parts that are unclear so erica i'm going to play it for you and it'll play for you guys Hi, 
Okay, so Erica and I are going to kind of try to read through this script the best that's made out and we'll go back through and kind of discuss stuff. So Erica is going to be 911 emergency and I'm going to read as Brandon. 911 emergency. Yes, I'm in the middle of a field and then there's that inaudible spot right here going towards Abilene on both sides. My truck ran out of gas. There's one car here and then some more inaudible stuff. Please hurry. Okay, now run that by me. More inaudible. Ah, you ran into them. Okay. And then he says something inaudible again. Do you need an ambulance? And then there's some possible sound in the background you can hear when you play it slower. And then he says, no, I need the cops. Is anyone hurt? Hello? Hello? Okay. It's messy. And when you listen to it, like I said on the website, one of them does a high pitch, one slows it down. You can kind of hear stuff that maybe you wouldn't notice before. So here's some of the things people guess. It says, yes, I'm in the middle of the field. You can hear that pretty clearly. And it's possible that he says something pushed some guys over or pushed some cars over. And then it says right here going towards Abilene on both sides. Abilene is a town nearby and he clearly says my truck ran out of gas and there's one car here and something about maybe getting taken through the woods into police hurry so a lot of people theorize in that part that he was saying some stapers which would be a state trooper like pulled some guys over possibly i hear something similar to that but i guess i don't what did you think when you heard it So I definitely heard, yes, I'm in the middle of a field, and then something about cars, and then the Albaline thing, or Albaline thing, however you say that. The truck ran out of gas, and then I heard there's one car here. The next thing I heard was, it got taken through the woods, and then please hurry. So I kind of took that as the car, like, got driven through the woods somehow, or was, like, stuck in the woods, yeah, and well, and then she says the 911 emergency operator, operator tries to get him to say it again because she's not really hearing it either. And he says something like, no, we're not talking to him or no, I ran into them or told you I ran into him. When I heard it, I heard it as like, I ran into them. Yeah, that's what I heard too, was that I ran into them. But that kind of leaves the question of like, metaphorically, he ran into them. Like, he ran into this person. Kind of like I would say I ran into so-and-so at Walmart. Yeah. Or he ran into them with his truck. Yeah. The only thing with that is there was no evidence that the truck would have hit something. Sometimes, like, if you hit something not hard enough, then there's no damage. And if I don't know what kind of truck you said he had, but depending on the truck that he had, like, if he had had a grill guard on his truck, then there may not have been any damage to his truck, but... There could have been damage to the vehicle that the other people were driving. True. And I've definitely been in like little fender bender things where one vehicle doesn't look damaged at all. And I mean, maybe there's a small scratch or dent, but maybe it's common on the truck. Like maybe he's not that careful with this truck anyway. And there's already stuff so they can't identify what would be new. Exactly. There's been, I see trucks all the time that have like big dents in it. And if they hit me, Honestly, probably wouldn't notice if there was another dent. Yeah, so that's definitely possible. When I was reading, I saw some ideas that if it were a state trooper that pushed some guys over 
in quotes, like they pulled him over and somehow Brandon ran into something that he wasn't supposed to. You would think, though, and I mean, I guess I don't really know how this story completely plays out, but you said it had to do with the disappearance of him. So you would think that if there was a state trooper involved and he was missing, I'm assuming that it kind of went everywhere and every state trooper in the area probably was aware of this missing man. And if they'd interacted with him, would probably have come forward and said, hey, I actually saw him that night. And I guess I don't know if that's where this goes, but... Well, and I had a similar thought when I was looking into it, because if a state trooper pulls someone over enough that there's guys getting out of the car, I think that would, one, be caught on like a dash camera or something, or they have to like document everything they do. You know, they would, you'd think they'd be able to cross check that somehow. And at some point he says something about, yes, the first guy or not the first guy. So if that is what he's saying, there's more than one person involved. Well, there's a lot of noise in the background, and I couldn't tell if it was just like environmental noises. It kind of sounded like he was running and a little bit out of breath. So, and that might have been why he was hard to understand was because he was running for some reason. And and I think you can even hear his like Texas accent in there too. Which is not helping make it any easier to understand. No, the Southern accents tend to like kind of like run words together. It's just how it is. And it's kind of hard to understand. It definitely sounds like I think he's out of breath or running. I feel like you can almost hear the shuffling as if he was running. Yeah, it sounds like he's running through a field or through a woods. Like yeah. you can hear the leaves crash, like crackling or like the sticks break. Like you can hear all of that happening. Yeah, and in the field's... Uh, where he was, there was a lot of brush and it was really dry during that time as well, I read. So that would make sense that you would hear those background sounds. Now, the 911 emergency says, do you need an ambulance? And people think they can hear it kind of like a either in the background or a whisper, someone yelling, yeah. Um, I can't hear it. I heard it. Okay. See, that's the thing. I also... I'm sick and can't hear right now, so. <laughs> yeah, no, I heard somebody say yeah in the background. And right before he said, no, I need the cops. Yeah, and we clearly hear him say, no, I need the cops. So that raises some questions, too, because if someone's in the background saying, get me an ambulance, and he says, no, I need the cops. Also, he told Kyle he was bleeding. And that makes me wonder, too. I guess that means in my head it wasn't severe enough that he would have asked for an ambulance in this call. Well, part of me wonders, too, though, if the person that said, like, if it was a different person that said, yeah, if that person was responding to somebody else and it wasn't even in response to the 911 operator. Yeah, which would make sense unless it was like on speaker or something, which I mean, some people say that they thought maybe it was because of all the background sounds. But to me, I hear the yeah, but it just sounds so far away that he either pulled the phone away from his face before he said yeah, or it was definitely somebody else. And then there's a part where she's, I think the 911 emergency operator says, is anyone hurt? And then in there, there's these kind of like thumping sounds. And I'm not sure. Did you catch it? I did hear it. Yeah. Some people think it's because there's three of them. One is much more faint at the end. And people think they might be gunshots. I personally don't get the gunshots. I read, I was reading some comments and someone said it sounded like a car going over a bridge. You know what I mean? When they go up and I was like, that sounds just like it in the river. There's a river. I think the Colorado River goes right through there, that area. Like you guys can't see my face, but my mouth just dropped because that is exactly what it sounded like. I don't think it sounded anything like gunshots at all because those are so loud and, and they distinctive. Echo. Yeah. 
And honestly, I didn't hear it in the regular version of the recording that played, but I heard it in the slowed down and then in the high pitch one. Yes. And the slowed down one is better for the background sounds. The high pitch one, I think it just makes his voice a little bit more clear because he's got that deep raspy voice going. But I would love for you guys to check it out and leave comments for us to read what you think as well. Absolutely. What's crazy is this call happens before Kyle and the deputy shows up and Brandon was on the phone with Kyle after they showed up. That's what my next question was going to be was, I know you said it was after the call to the wife, like just right after, but it was before the call for the, from the brother? Yeah. So after this 911 call is placed, he tells Kyle that he's in the field and bleeding and I honestly don't know that I even put that time frame together until just this moment (laughs) that it was, he said he was bleeding after the 911 call. What I don't understand is why nobody got dispatched to the area. I wrote down questions while we were playing the recording and that was my other question. Did the 911 operator not dispatch anybody to go check on him? Yeah, and somebody said in the comments too, he didn't give a location, but it was 2013. I feel like he could have tracked it they could have traced the location area yeah i mean they would have had something to start on because he said he was going to alibine alibine so that would have been at least a little bit of a start i think it's weird too that the deputy didn't know about the call the 911 call like if you're getting dispatched to an area that there's an abandoned truck wouldn't somehow someone connect that there was also a 911 call about someone running yeah, because, okay, so, sorry, I'm working through this in my head. The deputy gets there, finds out the truck is out of gas, and that's why Kyle and his girlfriend were there. And the one thing that's clear on the tape from the 911 operator is that the truck ran out of gas. I'm not sure how there was never a connection. Not even, and it didn't come till days later when Ladessa gets the phone records and says, he made a phone call to 911. Yeah, he didn't identify himself, but they would have that phone number. It's not like he called from like a payphone. It was from his cell phone. Yeah. So part of me kind of feels like maybe this 911 operator just kind of dropped the ball. But, and I don't necessarily see it, but it could be like hindsight is twenty twenty because in my head, it, maybe she thought that it was some sort of prank at first. And, but to me, it sounds like he's so exasperated and stressed and it sounds like an intense situation yeah like you can hear it in his voice so to me i don't think i would take that as a prank but i don't i don't know maybe that is what she's hurt and i don't know what the um like dispatch center is is like in this area but if they had if he had called in he may have talked to one operator and then whoever called in to about the truck could have talked to another operator And maybe they don't even sit near each other and it's like a big dispatch area so they didn't communicate back and forth about the fact at that moment. You know what I mean? I take it as maybe he ran into somebody who was chasing him. I don't know if that means foul play or what leads up to that or what could cause it. I have a hard time excusing the fact that this was not somehow all connected between the deputies and the dispatchers. Anyway, days go by after this with no new information. 
In Tuesday, August 13th, the DESA files a missing persons report. And I don't know why it was so many days late, but I never try to guess or shame or anybody in a situation like this. Like, I can imagine she was just hoping for the best. So it was like four or five days later that she filed it? Yes. Just to be clear? Okay. Yep. And she used what little money they had to hire a private investigator and a Texas Ranger. The private investigator's name was Paula Boudreaux and Texas Ranger Nick Hanna to perform a private aerial search. And they also had friends and family kind of walk around and canvas the area. But they could only get so far. And this part irks me. Some of the land in the area was privately owned by people and they would not allow um, Ladessa and the PI and Texas Ranger to search the area. And that really bums me out because I feel like if someone came up to me and said, my husband's missing, can we search this area in your, I mean, basically fields? I just don't know why you say no. For me, I always tend to be that person that just becomes suspicious of people that say no to that. When somebody is missing or like adult or kid, then you should just be polite enough to say, sure, come check the land just in case. Also, I think that I would rather have the police stumble across a possible deceased body rather than me or my kids or something. Yeah, I just I don't see the harm in it. It's like they were going around digging up stuff. I mean, unless they had something to hide, maybe. I don't know. I just, I think it's sad, and I personally would have been like, heck yeah, I'm going to go out and look with you. Exactly. I would have joined the search party and said, let's figure this out. What I like about Ladessa is, from an article I read, she made it very clear that if they were not allowed to on-foot search, that they would have a plane drive flying over the area and searching. Better to do something than nothing. Always. Unfortunately, none of these searches turn up anything. One week after Brandon went missing, on August 16th, 2013, law enforcement performed an official search with aerial coverage, infrared lights, and search dogs, and they turn up nothing again. They continue these searches. On August 29th, they have another search with the Coke County Sheriff's Office, Highway Patrol, Search and Rescue, and they end up going over 2,500 acres all around the area where Brandon's truck was found, and once again, nothing. This kind of reminds me of the very first case that we covered, the Bryce Laspisa one, where he went missing and in 2013 also, and he's actually in August of 2013, and he's still not found either. That was in California, though, but it just reminds me of it where they did lots and lots of searches, and he was just never found. Yeah, it's I thought that too when I was looking at this case. It reminded me a lot of Bryce Ospisa. It's just so crazy to me that no trace of a person can be found. And Brandon had his keys, phone, and wallet, and they never found any of those either. His phone last pinged like three miles away from his truck, but that's about all they have. And you know if it pings off a tower, it doesn't mean they're right there. They're just in the general area, you know? Yeah, I have just never understood how a human can go missing completely. Like, back in the early 1900s, sure, that made sense. They were didn't have all this technology and stuff, but nowadays you pretty much know that when somebody goes missing, it's probably fatal and you're not going to find them. Yeah, and it's 2013, you just, 
it's weird. And I think that's why law enforcement kind of thought that maybe he left on his own accord and got a ride with the motors and maybe something happened from there that could have been foul play. Maybe he took off and started a new life, but his friends and family are like, they don't believe that one bit. He was a, from all accounts, was a, a family man, a good dad. Yeah, they had their issues, but Larissa says that every, you know, every couple who starts out young has their issues. She says it was nothing serious enough that he would have just taken off on him and his kids. Well, any couple that starts out any any relationship, friendship, whatever it is, is going to have issues. You just have to, I mean, you work through it. And so I, I don't think that that's something to, I guess, really focus on. Yeah, there's nothing that really points to him being like, all right, I'm done with you guys and moving on. That wasn't like him. And I look at the fact that he was still involved in his eldest daughter's life who didn't live with him as a sign that like he, he puts in the effort to be a dad. Since his disappearance, there's been no other signs of Brandon. And I'm just going to quickly kind of recap a little bit about what he looks like and what he went missing in for anybody listening who might have information on him. So Brandon was born in 1986. He is 5'9", about 230 pounds. When he went missing, he was wearing a yellow shirt, camouflage print shorts, and white size 11 2013 Air Max shoes. There are photos of similar shorts and shoes that are posted on the Missing Brandon Lawson website and as well as the Facebook page for him. He is a Caucasian male with brown hair, blue eyes. He has multiple tattoos on his arms, neck, back, and chest, and he has some scars on his chin and left knee, and one of his ears is pierced. We'll also post photos of him, of course, so you guys can get a look at what he looks like. If you have any information, call the Texas Department of Public Safety at 512-424-5074. The case number is M1308005. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast. You can also email us your thoughts and case suggestions at crimeovercoffeepod at outlook.com. If you would like to support us, go to anchor.fm forward slash Erica dash Abby. Donations to our podcast are greatly appreciated and go into making the podcast possible. If you like us, you can recommend us or give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to us on your podcast listening medium. Thank you so much.